0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio. I'm your host, Albert Hardy. I want to talk today about Donald Trump and his shocking uh, pullout of U.S. troops from Syria and Afghanistan. I have before me an article uh, titled, Today's World Events Are Ancient News. It's an article written by a friend of mine, R.T. Byram, for the Heartland Herald. He's the op-ed editor and contributor. But I think you'll find it very interesting. It's about Gog and Magog and Persia and Cush and Gomer and Libya and Syria and Turkey and Russia. So, anyway... And we're going to read in Isaiah 17 and Ezekiel 38 from the pages of our Bibles. But here's what he says. For people worldwide who are believers in the Holy Bible inspired by the true Creator God, nothing in the real or fake news, for that matter, need to be unduly disturbing or even surprising thousands of years ago, man was given an absolutely accurate picture of what has been and is still taking place in these very days. Further, the future is laid out to the very end of the age and even beyond. Let me explain if you are not as yet tuned to the same news channel Many people around the world were shocked at President Trump's pulling U.S. troops from Syria and Afghanistan. Remembering his campaign speeches condemning Obama for doing the same with the Afghanistan withdrawal, why would he do that or do such a thing? Well, from a worldly view, it was keeping the keeping of his own promise to bring the troops home if elected. However, there is a literal earth shattering purpose that transcends that decision. But you may ask, what does that have to do with Trump bringing home our troops? He says, stay tuned. This is addressed now to those who are familiar with Isaiah 17 and Ezekiel 38 in the Bible. To the rest, it is recommended that you open the book and read every word carefully, for prophetic news is being fulfilled even as you study each verse, and we're going to do that. Here's a brief overview, he writes, of what was written by Isaiah 800 years before Christ and Ezekiel 500 years before Christ. Note that Ezekiel's writing is later by 300 years than Isaiah. Isaiah made a proclamation about the destruction to fall upon Syria and its allies, he says. Then Isaiah prophesied of a massive attack that would come on Israel by those encamped around the Holy Land in these days. Uh, you'll notice that the United States has been the only friend and ally of Israel, and that she is surrounded by enemies who want what she's got, all the wealth. You know, Israel's one of the most healthy economies in the world, they're uh, one of the most rich people per capita on the planet he says the beginning and the end of that battle may well occur in the lifetime of many of us that's you and me ezekiel 38 vividly excuse me vividly describes what is about to happen to understand what is being foretold the reader must first identify the modern names of ancient nations and rulers listed in the prophecy. Arguably, the most commonly accepted translations are, and I don't agree with all of this. He says Gog is the ruler of Magog, prince of Meshach and Tubal. Well, he's saying that Meshach is Moscow and Tubal is Tablusk, Turkish and Russian cities. And that Magog is Russia. That may very well be, but I don't think Meshach is Moscow. I think that's a city in in Turkey. And so is Tubal. But who am I? Persia is Iran. Kush is Sudan. Gomer, he says, is Turkey. I'm not so sure that Gomer isn't Russia. Put or foot is Libya and Beth he says, is Turkey and Syria. He says, check today's news and you will find those nations already surrounding Israel with troops and weapons of war. And they're on the border in the Golan Heights. You can actually see the, uh, the artillery and, and uh, rocket launchers and such poised and pointed at Israel. And they're there by the around 100,000 pieces of artillery. (laughs) It's very scary stuff. Russia, Iran, and Syria, and Turkey are already in place. But only this week was it announced that Sudan's president, Omar al-Bashir, had arrived in Damascus, the capital city of Syria, to meet with Syria's president, Bashar Shad. That event ended eight years of Sudan being expelled from the 22-member Arab League. Twenty-two members. Wow. Well, if this were a game of chess, the players of Ezekiel 38 are now on one side of the board, and Israel is on the other side. The conflict could not begin as long as the U.S. had a presence in the Middle East. Wow. With troops leaving the arena, two prophetic conditions are now fulfilled. One, the absence of the U.S. standing side by side with Israel in the Ezekiel battle is explained. And two... The battle will be fought and won, not by the might of Israel, but by the sovereign Lord who comes to execute judgment on those who come against his holy land and people. And we'll find that in verses 15 through 22 in Ezekiel 38 in a minute or two. The chapter concludes with this verse, verse 23. Quote, and so I will show my greatness and my holiness, and I will make myself known in the sight of many nations; then they will know that I am the Lord, and so be it. Israel has become one of the rich excuse me one of the richest nations per capita today and her gas and oil reserves are targets of plunder to those who hate that she even exists. Both man and the prince of the power of the air, Satan, have possession of the land and destruction of the people of Israel as their goal. None of this could occur until Israel's people had returned to the land and at a time that they are living in peace and safety. That is exactly what visitors to the Holy Land can see today. But looking down from the Golan Heights into Syria is a different day dawning. Well, let's open up the Bible. We're going to start with the 17th chapter of the book of Isaiah, and I'm reading from the NLT version. Chapter 17 of Isaiah This message came to me concerning Damascus. Look, the city of Damascus will disappear. It will become a heap of ruins. The towns of Aurora will be deserted. Flocks will graze in the streets and lie down undisturbed, with no one to chase them away. The fortified towns of Israel... Also will be destroyed, and the royal power of Damascus will end. All that remains of Syria will share the fate of Israel's departed glory, declares the Lord of heaven's armies. In that day, Israel's glory will grow dim. Its robust body will waste away. The whole land will look like a grain field after the harvesters have gathered in the grain. It will be desolate like fields in the Valley of Rephaim after the harvest. Have you ever gleaned fields before? Well, I have. And uh, cornfields up in Indiana where my granddad grew them, grew corn and soybeans and wheat and such. But it's four below, the wind's blowing, it's snowing like you wouldn't believe. We're out there walking the fields, we're all bundled up with boots and shoes and everything, and coats and and um, hat gear. But believe me, the snow will freeze to your eyelashes and your mustache or beard. I can tell you that from experience, but anyway... It's not really that much fun. You find an ear of corn here laying on the ground and an ear of corn there. And that's about all you get out of this thing. We got enough to pay for our lunch. After working four hours out in that, let me tell you, your hands get really cold. But to continue, in other words, there'll be just a little bit of people left alive. Verse 6, chapter 17, Isaiah. Only a few of its people will be left, like stray olives left on a tree after the harvest. Only two or three remain in the highest branches, four or five scattered here and there on the limbs, declares the Lord, the God of Israel." Then at last the people will look to their Creator and turn their eyes to the Holy One of Israel. They will no longer look to their idols for help or worship what their own hands have made. They will never again bow down to their Asherah poles or worship at the pagan shrines which they have built. Their cities, their largest cities will be like a deserted forest, like the land of the Hiv- Hivites and Amorites, the, the, the blah, I'm sorry, the land that they abandoned when the Israelites came here so long ago, it will be utterly desolate. Why? Because you have turned from the God who can save you, O Israel. In other words, You have forgotten the rock. Who can hide you? That's interesting. So you may plant the finest grapes and import the most expensive seedlings. They may sprout on the day that you set them out. Yes, they may even blossom the very morning you plant them, but you will never pick any grapes from them. Your only harvest will be a load of grief. Woe, an unrelieved pain. Listen, the armies of many nations roar like the roaring of the sea. Hear the thunder of the mighty forces as they rush forward like thundering waves. But though they plunder like breakers on a beach, God will silence them and they will run away. They will flee like chaff scattered by the wind, like a tumbleweed whirling about before a storm. In the evening, Israel waits in terror, but by dawn its enemies are dead. Wow. This is the just reward of those who plunder us, a fitting end for those who destroy us. And that's the end of chapter 17 of Isaiah. Now let's go to Ezekiel 38. This is another message that came to me. This is Ezekiel writing. Chapter 38, verse 1. From the Lord, son of man, turn and face Gog in the land of Magog, the prince who rules over the nations of Meshach and Tubal. And I think that's Turkey myself, but others think it's Russia. And prophesy against him. Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. Gog, I am your enemy. I will turn you around and put hooks in your jaws to lead you out with your whole army, your horses and charioteers in full armor and a great horde armed with shields and swords. Persia and Ethiopia and Libya will join you too, with all their weapons. Wow, That's a lot of territory, really. That's Iran and Ethiopia and Libya. Gomer and all its armies will also, jo- excuse me, join you along with the armies of Bethogarma from the distant north. Now that's probably Russia and many others. So get ready, be prepared, keep all the armies around you mobilized and take command of them. A long time from now, you will be called to action. In the distant future, which, keep in mind, this was written 500 years before the time of Christ, approximately. So that's been almost 3,000 years ago. You will swoop down on the land of Israel. You hear that? Wow. Which will be enjoying peace after recovering from war and after its people have returned from many lands. To the mountains of Israel. You and all your armies, a vast and awesome army, will roll down on them like a storm and cover them, cover the land like a cloud. This is what the sovereign Lord says. At that time, evil thoughts will come into your mind, and you will devise a wicked scheme. You will say, Israel is an unprotected land filled with unwalled villages. I will march against her and destroy these people who live in such confidence. I will go to those formerly desolate cities that are now filled with people who have returned from exile in many nations I will capture vast amounts of plunder for the people are rich with livestock and other possessions now. They think the whole world revolves around them. Wow. Verse 13, chapter 38, Ezekiel. But Sheba and Dedan, now these are cities in um, Saudi Arabia, and the merchants of Tarshish, will ask, and some think that Tarshish is Great Britain, will ask, do you think that the armies that you have gathered can rob them of silver and gold? Do you think they can actually pull it off since Israel is a very powerful nation? Do you think you can drive away their livestock and seize their goods and carry off plunder? Well, anyway, we'll see. Verse 14, Therefore, son of man, prophesy against Gog and give him this message from the sovereign Lord. When my people are living in peace in their land, then you will rouse yourself. You will come from your homeland in the distant north with your vast cavalry and your mighty army, and you will attack my people Israel, covering their land like a cloud. That doesn't sound good at all. At that time in the distant future, which is our time now, I will bring you against my land as everyone watches, and my holiness will be displayed by what happens to you, O Gog. Then all the nations will know that I am the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord asks, Are you the one? I was talking about long ago when I announced through Israel's prophets that in the future I would bring you against my people. But this is what the Sovereign Lord says. When Gog invades the land of Israel, my fury will boil over. Let me tell you, you don't want to see that. You do not want to see God's anger boil over. In my jealousy and blazing anger, I promise a mighty shaking in the land of Israel on that day. I just want to illustrate one thing for you. Jealousy is not the same as envy, and Americans don't seem to make any difference between them. But no, jealousy is when someone fights for the welfare of someone else. That's jealousy. But envy is when someone fights because someone else has what they want. Big difference. And this mighty shaking, the King James said that every wall shall fall. I guess that would be mighty. All living things, he says in verse 20, the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and the animals of the field, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the people on earth will quake in terror at my presence. Yeah. Mountains will be thrown down. This was prophesied by John the Baptist. Every mountain and hill shall be brought low. The cliffs will crumble, walls will fall to the earth. I will summon a sword against you on the hills of Israel, says the sovereign Lord. So obviously, the armies that are going to go down into the land and invade it will be on the territory of the mountains of Israel. So I will summon the sword against you on all the hills of Israel, says the Sovereign Lord. Your men will turn their swords against each other. They're not fighting their enemy, necessarily. They turn on one another. They fight each other to death until there's nothing left. He says, I will punish you and your armies with disease and bloodshed. I will send torrential rain with hailstones, fire, and burning sulfur. Sounds like when he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 23, in this way, I will show my greatness and holiness, and I will make myself known to all the nations of the world, and then they will know that I am the Lord, Unquote. That's the end of Chapter 39, I'm sorry, chapter 38. Now, chapter 39 continues this theme pretty much. Son of man, prophesy against Gog. Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. I am your enemy, O Gog, ruler of the nations of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around and drive you toward the mountains of Israel, bringing you from the distant north. I will knock the bow from your left hand and the arrows from your right hand, and I will leave you helpless. You and your army and all your allies will all die on the mountains. Woe! You don't come against Israel, the apple of God's eye, and not pay for it with your life. I will feed you to the vultures and the wild animals. You will fall in the open fields, for I have spoken, says the Sovereign Lord, and I will rain down fire on Magog and all your allies who live safely on the coasts, then they will know that I am the Lord. In this way I will make my holy name known among the people of Israel." I will not let anyone bring shame on it, at least not permanently. And the nations, too, will know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. That day of judgment will come, says the Sovereign Lord. Everything will happen just as I have declared it. Then the people in the towns of Israel will go out and pick up your small and large shields, bows and arrows, javelins and spears, and they will use them for fuel. Wow! There will be enough to last them for seven years. Wow! They won't need to cut firewood from the forests or fields, for these weapons will give them all the fuel they need. They will plunder those who plan to plunder them, and they will rob those who plan to rob them, says the Sovereign Lord. And I will make vast graveyards for Gog and his hordes in the Valley of the Travelers, east of the Dead Sea. And I will make... Okay, I read that. It will block the way of those who travel there, and they will change the name of that place to the Valley of Gog's Hordes. Gog's, not gods, hordes. It will take seven months for the people of Israel to bury their bodies and cleanse the land. Everyone in Israel will help, for it will be a glorious victory for Israel when I demonstrate my glory on that day, says the Sovereign Lord. But there will be a big fight. This is going to get ugly. After seven months, teams of men will be appointed to search the land for skeletons to bury so the land will be made clean again. Whenever bones are found, a marker will be set up so the burial crews will take them to be buried in the valley of Gog's hordes. There will be a town named Hamona, which means horde. That's a parenthetical statement in verse 16, and also, or and so the land will be cleansed. And now, son of man, this is what the sovereign Lord says: Call all the birds and wild animals, and say to them, Gather together, for my great sacrificial feast. Come from the far and near. Come from far and near to the mountains of Israel and there eat flesh and drink blood. Eat the flesh of mighty men and drink the blood of princes as though they were rams and lambs and goats and bulls, all fattened animals from Bashan. Gorge yourselves with the flesh until you are glutted. Drink your blood until you are drunk. Or drink blood until you're drunk. This is the sacrificial feast I have prepared for you. Feast at my banquet table. Feast on horses and charioteers. On mighty men and all kinds of valiant warriors, says the Sovereign Lord. In this way I will demonstrate my glory to the nations. Every one will see the punishment I have inflicted on them. And the power of my fist when I strike scary. And from that time on, the people of Israel will know that I am the Lord their God. The nations will then know why Israel was sent into exile. It was punishment for sin, for they were unfaithful to their God. Therefore, I turned away from them and let their enemies destroy them. I turned my face away, and their punishment... um, No, and punish them because of their defilement and sins. Verse 25, so now, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will end the captivity of my people. I will have mercy on all Israel, for I jealously guard my holy reputation, for they will accept responsibility for their past shame and their unfaithfulness after they come home to live in peace in their own land with no one to bother them. When I bring them home from the lands of their enemies, I will display my holiness among them for all the nations to see. Then my people will know that I am the Lord their God, because I sent them away to exile and brought them home again. I will leave none of my people behind, and I will never again turn my face from them. For I will pour out my spirit upon the people of Israel. I, the Sovereign Lord, have spoken. And that's the end of chapter 39 and this podcast. I'm Elbert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Tune in again next time, if you would. In the meantime, you can go to com. There's nothing for sale. I don't want your email address. I just want to give you things that build faith. There's videos and audios and books to read that I've written and such. But anyway, itellwhy.com or Jesusiswhy.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great day.